Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, Sad, Confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Jeff Bridges back from bouts with COVID and lymphoma with a new series, The Old Man. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz and welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Yes, if it weren't enough to have the great Jeff Bridges on the podcast for the first time this week, um, we're getting him at a remarkable time in his life and career. As you may have heard, Jeff Bridges has been through a lot the last couple of years, and this conversation uh, maybe gets more into the personal life than usual, but how can you ignore the stuff that he's had to deal with? Um, it's a remarkable story, and he's, uh, I mean, he's one of my favorite actors. So this, this was a, a really unique opportunity, as I mentioned in my conversation with him. I've been chasing Jeff for years, so to get him... And to get him now, um, after what he's been through, is, uh, is a really special thing to me. So I think you guys are going to enjoy this chat. Um, what I'm referring to, if you don't know it, is that Jeff um, contracted lymphoma uh, a while back during the pandemic. Um, and obviously that was a road to go through. Had a really sizable um, tumor that was uh, found to be inside of him. He'll tell the story himself. But in brief just on the other side of that and getting through that and seemingly um, getting out on the, the good side of that, he contracted COVID and, and, you know, his immune system was shot thanks to, to his treatment for lymphoma. And what we know now, we didn't know at the time, uh, was we almost lost Jeff Bridges to COVID um, as, you know, we lost way, way too many people to. Um, well, he has rebounded miraculously and he is uh, not only back, but he's back with a great new piece of work. He was ironically in the middle of a production on a show called The Old Man, of all things, about a guy that's kind of lost his step and dealing with a lot of kind of mortality issues. Um, and sure enough, this is the project that he came back to and finished. And it's a great new series uh, on FX. Um, I've seen the first, I think, four episodes, four of seven. It's kind of a Jeff Bridges you haven't seen before in action mode. He's a, uh, like an ex, uh, operative, um, who's definitely got some skeletons in his closet, um, and finds himself in the middle of some high drama, high action. And, uh, it's a really cool show. It also features, uh, great supporting turns from Amy Brenneman and John Lithgow, but at the center of it, come on, Jeff Bridges, who just holds the screen like few actors do. Um, I've long been obsessed with his work. Uh, certainly the movies I grew up with in the 80s and 90s, and we touch on everything from Starman and Tucker and, of course, Big Lebowski uh, in this conversation, but um, we could have spent hours more because he's he's lived quite the life, and it's a, it's it, he comes from this great lineage, too. We had to touch on that. I loved his father's work, The Great Lloyd Bridges, um, you know, if you haven't seen his work from all the way back in high noon, all the way up to the last years of his life when he was doing, um, you know, hot shots <laughs> and he was a, a really joyous performer and he's clearly, uh, passed that on to his sons, uh, Bo and Jeff. So you'll hear it. I mean, you've seen Jeff Bridges both on and off screen. He is just a delight and just a warm presence. And it was a real, a real special thing to spend this time with him uh, for the podcast. So I know you guys are going to enjoy it. Um, other stuff to mention in brief, 
Uh, I do want to mention, I think by the time you listen to this, my conversation with Mr. Chris Evans will probably be out in the world that I did for MTV News, a fun virtual chat. Uh, been a while since I've had kind of like an extensive chat with Chris. You know, he in all the Marvel shenanigans, it was hard to get like significant time with him. He was always like paired with people. Um, so, you know, I got a decent chunk of, t- chunk of time to catch up with him for the new movie Lightyear, the new Pixar movie, which is super fun. Um, and uh, we kind of touched on a lot of things. I really, I'm really proud of this one. Um, I'll put it up, of course, on my social media, on Joshua Horowitz, on Twitter and Instagram, but it'll be on MTV News' YouTube page, the extended version. Um, and it's got, we kind of go deep, but we also have a lot of fun. And um, it was really fun to catch up with someone I know many of you probably are interested in. I mean, who doesn't love Chris Evans? He's the internet's boyfriend, one of one of a few out there. Um, so yeah, that, that I'll plug. What else can I mention? Well, I'll mention Patreon as always, because if you love listening to Jeff Bridges, why not watch Jeff Bridges? Um, virtually all of the conversations that I do uh, for Happy Sad Confused are uh, shot um, on camera and we offer them up to the Patreon um, family. So go to patreon.com slash happy sad confused. There are dozens upon dozens of conversations you can watch, including uh, game night episodes, the traditional Happy Sad Confused episodes, uh, the uh, a second look, which we've been doing recently. Uh, we did the recent episode for Loki, which a lot of you guys really dug, and there'll be more of those. So um, always fun stuff cooking on the Patreon page. So wanted to mention that. Okay, let's get to the main event, which is, you know, again, a very special one. We've had such a great run lately with with first-time guests that I've been chasing forever, the Gary Oldmans of the world, the Jeff Bridges of the world. Um, So it's a real privilege to say uh, you're about to enjoy the first of many, I hope, visits from um, the one and only Mr. Jeff Bridges. I'd be thrilled to talk to you under any circumstances, but... Given the context of the last couple of years, I'm just I'm, I'm I, it, it makes me very happy to to see you so well. Um, how you doing today, ma'am? Good, man. I especially got a smile on my face because you're wearing I can see your Flynn shirt, man. I, I couldn't resist. I figured so sweet. <laughs> and I, I don't expect you to, to to remember this, but. I send greetings from Adam Horowitz, my brother who co-wrote ah. Tron Legacy, of course. Oh my gosh, perfect. So that's how you got the shirt, man. I, I bought this with my hard-earned money, but I'm supporting the cause. Oh, <laughs> it wasn't swag, but no, your own money. Wow. All right. I, I'll have you know that one of the happiest uh, photos I think my brother ever took was when he and his writing partner visited you at your home. And I think you insisted on oh, having them- Oh, don't you love that? I wear love the helmet, I think. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I say before we start, guys, this is a must. Now, your brother must have gotten one of my books, didn't he? Of course, the, the photography books, of course. Of course, yeah. yeah. Um, well, man, a, a lot to talk about. Let's just, I mean, I, I don't want to dwell. Look, it doesn't get any more personal than the stuff that you've kind of gone through the last couple of years. But it, I think it's important to contextualize just sure. because it, it goes hand in hand with this, this amazing new show. Um You've been on quite the journey, man. So talk to me a little bit about oh, man. what, um, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, so you were in production on this show and you, you got the hell, the one, two punch of a lifetime. Um, give me, give me, give me yeah, where you yeah. feel comfortable with sharing of what the journey was in the beginning. Well, the word I keep using is dream, you know, and it, it feels so dreamlike. 
because three years ago we started this uh, wonderful TV show and then the pandemic broke out, COVID, and we had a break. And uh, I was going to go up to Montana with my wife. And um, I'm doing some exercises on the thing. I feel something in my stomach that feels odd. It feels like a bone where a bone shouldn't be kind of thing. My wife says, you ought to get that checked. I said, no, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> go to Montana for three months. Have a wonderful time. No pain or anything like that. My legs itched and uh, I had night sweats. I thought that was because it was kind of hot at night. I said, nothing. Turns out both of those are symptoms of this lymphoma that I had. Then I come back ready to get back to work in a couple of weeks. I said, well, you know, I better get this thing checked out before I get back to work. And it turns out I have a nine by 12 inch mass in my stomach, man. Lymphoma. And uh, so they went there and they couldn't figure out what kind of lymphoma it was, fast growing, slow growing. And I still don't think they completely know. And uh, and they don't operate on these things. You, you do chemo, you know. So. Right, something that large, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. I'm doing my chemo and... Uh, you still can't figure it out. They're trying to find out what the con, the you know, the right cocktail is. And one of the wonderful things about the medical profession is uh, that they're all connected. They listen to each other's opinions and they take the. I wish our politics, you know, could work that way. But they're all on board to save the patient. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so great. <laughs> and they, you know, finally, you know, finally found this uh, cocktail that made the thing shrink in chemo. And uh, I was so excited. Came home January 6th, turned on the TV and saw the whole insurrection going on. And then opened a letter from the treatment place saying that I'd been exposed to COVID. What a, what a day, man. You know? Yeah. You're the only person that got worse news than January oh, 6th oh, on January oh, 6th. God, it was so wild. And sure enough, I had the COVID, I got COVID and the COVID proved to make my cancer seem like nothing. Yeah. Because my immune system from the chemo was just totally stripped. Yeah. And man, that uh, COVID hit me like a ton of bricks and the breathing, you know, I couldn't, oh, it was you know, very, very tough. And my wife got COVID along. We shared a, a, an ambulance to the hospital. You know? oh my God. She was there for five days. I was there for like, you know, six weeks, something like that. And, and by all counts, I mean, I mean, did you say your goodbyes? It sounds like you were really that you like they were telling oh, you this could yeah, be. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I did. I wasn't saying uh, goodbyes, but uh, I was kind of prepping myself. You know, the doctors saying you got to fight, and I couldn't understand what that meant. I I was in surrender mode. You know. Right because we're all going to die, you know, and I said, oh, this might be it. And I'm trying to dig the uh, experience as best I can, you know. What an insane journey. I mean, I, I mean there's so much to, in there, what you just, that story you just told. I mean, first, like just on the, 
the, the, the lymphoma, I mean, you must have experienced, look, you've, you've been lauded throughout your career and, and, and justifiably so Oscar and Lifetime Achievement Awards, but like, it must have been surreal for you because I remember the outpouring of love that I saw when people saw that you were ill. Oh. Did, did it, was it a little surreal? Was it like watching your oh, own funeral from no, a bar? That's, you know, that's why I say I mentioned the word, how dreamlike it was. And it wasn't necessarily only a nightmare. There were certainly wonderful aspects to uh, facing your mortality like that. You know, it's a bit like a marriage or, uh, or having children. You know, you, people can tell you about it, but until you experience it, yeah. you don't know what it's like. And like you mentioned, receiving all of that love and affection coming at me was wonderful. But also uh, your ability to kind of receive it and reciprocate, that gets, uh, you know, exacerbated. It's just everything sure. becomes so rich and, oh, amazing. And then that, that feeling kind of lingers and it forms the rest of your life, you know. Does, does it give you more peace in a way going forward, knowing that you've kind of like, you know what it's like to, to be at, at the brink and that, you know, it's, it is what it is. I mean, you find, you can find yeah. some peace in that. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I guess so. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's still so, it's so mysterious and yeah. surprising still, you know, it's not, it's certainly not like, uh, Oh, I, I, now I, now I know, you know, it's not you, like you crack the code. No. Yeah. Of yeah I cracked the code. Yeah. It's nothing like that, but, um, uh, it's interesting working with on my movie on this old man show. Yeah. We were fortunate enough to have Christopher Huddleston, who is a, a CIA fellow on board. And um, one of the things that he turned us on to was stoicism. And I knew a little bit about that philosophy. I consider myself more you know, Buddhist kind of leaning. Sure. It's interesting how those two philosophies, what they have in common and what the their kind of differences are. But one of the things that is uh, so much a part of Stoicism, I'm reading a book recently that was called, the title was, The Obstacle is the Way. You know, it's like this very thing that you're trying to avoid. No, that's the gift. Yeah. That's yeah. that's your class at this point in your life, and so get into it because you're enrolled, man. This is it. This is what you what you got. You know, it's it's fascinating to look at. Look that this this series, which I've I've been lucky enough to watch the first four episodes, and I really dug. Um, look, it's about it's in the title. It's about a, it's about a man facing mortality yeah. in a way. He's lost a step. He's lost a, a loved one to dementia. Um, he's, uh, you know, on the other side of a, of a, of a career as a CIA uh, operative. Um, and it's, it's so fascinating because this is arguably maybe the most physical role of your career <laughs> and it comes <laughs> now. I mean, talk to me a little bit about getting back That's on funny. set, Jeff. And you're like, That's funny. Yeah. I've seen these like action scenes. You're like kicking ass and you're just oh, like in the, man. in the middle of it. Oh, and you yeah. just like almost died twice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Well, I've always enjoyed, uh, you know, working, doing stunts and fights and all that. It's a lot of fun to figure out those things and make it look as real as possible. You know, 
lured the audience in that way. Sure. And, uh, I asked, we had terrific coordinators, Henry Kinji and uh, Tim Connolly. Uh, and uh, I remember asking Tim, because I hadn't done any kind of fight scenes like this for a while. I said, what's the, the state of the art fight scene? And he said, well, I don't want to be immodest, but in my opinion, it's one that I worked on. I worked with the actors and there were many stunt guys involved, but I worked with the actors on it. I said, what was that? And he said, the atomic blonde. All right. You ever I, see that? Movie? I know exactly the sequence he's talking about. The fight music. scene on the staircase. It's this one, or it's I probably not an actual one, wow. but it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yes, but the way, but the elude, because movies are all about making an elude, you know, it's like pulling off a magic trick for one first time, you know. Yeah. And, you know, and uh, things are can be so innovative and stuff that has never been tried before. So I said, oh, well, I'm in good hands here with these guys, these, you know. And so we had a lot of fun, you know, doing these fight scenes. And yeah, there, there is a- out How to do it. There's an extensive one in one of the early episodes that is, I don't know if it's an actual one or not, but it's, it's just oh, keeps, yeah. keeps going and going and you're like- It goes on, it keeps going <laughs> and going, yeah. I also love like on the flip side- yeah, I was, I, huh? I was going to say on the flip side, this is maybe a little more mundane, but it impresses me. Maybe it's just as a non-actor saying this, but like, look, you, you, your, your naturalism as an actor has always been very impressive. But like there's a scene where you're, you're literally cooking a meal while you're telling a story. And it's just like, I don't know, that's like a lot of left brain, right brain stuff going on. And maybe the action of, of, of like the, the physical action helps you get, get through a scene. I mean, do you like kind of like having stuff to chew on like, physically in a scene does that help you get through well, the story yeah, in a way no uh, a little both you know it's again the obstacle is the way right you know the challenge of those things you know props you know you figure out how to say all these lines and then the guy says no but in this scene you've got this prop you've got to do you know and then all of a sudden you're like you say left brain right brain maybe it has something to do with that yeah so i was uh you know again whenever you have an expert that you can go to and talk about it. So it turns out that my daughter, Jessie, is a, you know, went to Cordon Bleu to study, you know, cooking and she's, you know, really a wonderful cook. So I asked her how to do that stuff. And so I, you know, I worked with her on, the, on that to, you know, know how to chop an onion properly and all these things. And uh, so that, you know, she helped me with that. Well, and, I was, uh, no, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. It, you know, in a, huh? What's that? No, no, continue. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go for it. No, no. I was just, uh, you know, but, you know, props are always, uh, you know, there's, there's stuff you got to deal with and, and practice with. And, uh, you know, like this thing that keeps coming to mind, it's a magic trick. You know, we're pulling yeah. off a magic trick to make it, to bring the audience in. This is, you know, real, you know, as real as possible. And Well, it's like, it's, it's life. Uh, I mean, in life, you don't just stand there with your hands on your sides while talking to each other. We're doing, right. we're doing shit yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah right exactly did i see you talk about family did i see one of your nephews uh in this in the series as well did i see one of bo's kids 
yes, Jordan, right, absolutely. Yeah, that was wonderful playing with Jordan. Whenever I get to play with a member of our family, it's, you know, some of my best experiences have been working with my dad and Bo, too. You know, those were great. And, but Jordan, that was, that was wonderful. He was a terrific actor. I want to talk a little bit about your dad, if you'll indulge me. I was such a fan of his work throughout his career. And I mean, you know, I grew up with like his third act and I loved, you know, I grew up yes, with like, those, that's right. like when he suddenly yeah. became like the great, like deadpan comic performer of my yeah. youth, <laughs> airplane that's and funny. hot shots, et cetera. So funny. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, and I mean, look, I've, I've heard you talk about him before and look, obviously your first experiences were on set of Sea Hunt, et cetera. Uh, you later worked with him and I want to get to that in a bit, but, but first I'm, I know you've talked about lessons learned and I'm curious when you look back now, is the greatest lesson from dad less about craft and more about just the fun that he experienced, the joy that he experienced as an actor? Yeah. Um, it's really hard to separate the two. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, he studied with a guy named Michael Chekhov, uh, and uh, it's you know his his approach was so much about love and support. That's the way he, what he learned about uh, you know supporting your fellow players and. Uh, and um, and joy, you know, and both love and joy. That's they tend to relax you, you know. When you feel you're in a an environment that's loving and joyful, yep. you can go, oh, okay, God. because there's so much um, opportunity for anxiety and you know fear of failure and you know, everything. You know, when you're acting, you know, am I going to be able to laugh and cry on this cue? Am I going to be able to not drop the prop and you know, get all frustrated and they got the time and you only have so much time to do the thing, you know, all yeah. that stuff. But when you uh, realize, hey, you know, we're getting to, you know, play with all these wonderful guys, you know, and we're going to make something cool and, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, he would say that stuff, but watching him in action, you know, I got to play with him as, uh, you know, in two movies as an right. adult, and Tucker and Blown Away. And in both those experiences, uh, it was so great, man, to, uh, you know, when he'd come on set and he would you know, just be who he was. And that kind of joy that he expressed, it would be contagious. It'd kind of go through the company and say, oh yeah, this is kind of fun what we're doing. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. I forgot, you know. And so, yeah, I speaking about forgetting something, my mother, who was probably the best actress of the family, they <laughs> met at UCLA in the you know, drama department. But my mother, and I'm going off to work as a kid, and now my wife will say the same thing because we forget these things that we learn, you know. My, what my mom would say, remember, Jeff, Jeff, remember, come here. I say, what? She says, remember, have fun and don't take it too seriously. I go, oh, yeah, I forgot. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And now Sue will say that my wife will say that same thing. And we forget sometimes, you know. 
it's funny. Yeah. You mentioned Tucker. Um, I don't know what this says about me as a young man. I think I was, I was 12 when Tucker was coming out and it was like the most exciting movie to me. I don't know what was wrong with me oh. in a way. It was Francis Ford Coppola, you, um, uh, Martin Landau. I mean, it's such, oh, a, such yeah. an amazing cast. They did that. I'm curious, like, cause that was the first time <clears throat> as an adult you were working with your dad. Did it change working with him as a peer? Did it, did, was there some kind of a difference in the relationship? Oh, it, was, then? it was so exciting. You know, I've, I, it's funny when you do these interviews and you get it to be as old as I am, uh, you're repeating yourself. These are stories that are part of my life, but sure. as I, these stories are triggered by what you say. <laughs> you know? And I've got to tell this story. Maybe I even told it to you. That's okay. I'll, but, I'll listen to Tucker's uh, stories all day long. So we're, do, we're rehearsing for Tucker, you know, and Francis Coppola, wonderful director. You know, we, first week was just kind of getting to know each other and hang out a bit. And the second week, Francis assembles all of us, cast and crew, and says, okay, now this week, we're going to shoot the whole movie on this little video camera I have here. Vittorio Storaro, our cinematographer, will be shooting it. He's going to use that wheelbarrow for to dolly with. And uh, you costume people, you know, look at these curtains. They'd make good uh, wedding dresses, you know. And uh, you <laughs> actors, get your lines as best you can because we're only going to do each scene one time. And it was a sense, a sense of, you know, the little rascals. Right. Let's, let's put on a it show. Was kind of like, yeah. let's make a show. Come on. Yeah. yeah. And it was that kind of fun kid energy. And we would do this whole thing. We shot it all in sequence. And what we didn't know that to and from work, Francis and his Citroen there, he would have a little editing bay and he cut what we shot together and he presented it to us and said now here's our movie we've already done it we're just going to polish it up <laughs> and i learned later that prior to that he would shoot the storyboard like a movie you know he would it was quite extensive storyboard and then it would take two hours to actually show the storyboard and then as we completed these rehearsing videos, he would replace the storyboard with that. And then as we shot the actual movie, those scenes would replace the Amazing. movie. Just iterative. So it was just, always, it yeah. was always a, a whole thing. Yeah. For an actor, it was so wonderful to have that video because we could refer to where we where our character you know, was in the story. So often you shoot out a sequence and you, it's hard to tell the story. Yeah. But to get the, the you know, uh, the linear telling of the story really, really helped. And then, you know, working with my dad. So it was like playing pretend on that level with my dad. And we were jamming, man. I mean, you know. With the most beautiful production design oh, and cinematography. Yeah, it's yes. just like and, all and, the tools and, and to play. Yeah. Francis, who is a specialist at low-tech special effects you know you look at dracula you know the amazing work in that and he was doing all of these special effects in tucker coming up with these things just just fucking around you know, yeah just saying yeah why not and, oh yeah yeah and you know you think of orson wells that kind of you know that you know the citizen came that, yeah that, the innovation that, of youth yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but francis he still had that I mean, he certainly wasn't in his 20s but he still had that excitement and uh, 
and then working with my dad and you know sharing different ideas hey what about <laughs> that i'll do this yeah just like just like oh, you were a kid man the best, you know? the best. um yeah. a, a, few, a few more things if you'll in, indulge me there's i mean there are a thousand movies i could ask you about but a few that hit me hard as a kid uh starman was, was such mm-hmm. a, a beautiful performance and like the, the gentlest of john carpenter films and you know when i look back at it you and karen allen both just wonderful in it and like it's a daring kind of performance from you it's like a, a performance where like you could look like a fool kind of like you're like you really yeah. have to like play it very innocent and the voice and the cadence and did you feel like you were out on a limb on starman or what uh yeah i'm trying to think back on that uh i remember going into uh the interview you know uh with john to you know to see if we were going to work together. Yeah. And I pitched him my idea of that this being was kind of you know, impersonating a human being, you know, so he would see, you know, so he would see somebody like this, right? And he would say, oh, that's how they go. So he would, <laughs> it would, it, there would be no, he wouldn't understand that that's what to do that with. So, but he said, oh, the hand, you know, right. that, you know, that, that kind of thing. Uh, and John liked that. And then I, it was, I was a young father at the time. So I was looking at my girls and how, you know, childlike, uh, that aspect of, you know, learning how to walk and, you know, yeah. and, um, and then I worked with a wonderful dancer. Uh, why can't I? Can't, why can't I think of his name? Maybe it'll come to me in a second. Uh, oh, can't I think of his name? But I thought, you know, I, sometimes I'll go through my phone book when I'm preparing for a role and look at different people that I know that could influence this guy. You know, and so Starman is like who. Who in my phone book would I not be that surprised if I found out he was actually a movie? <laughs> Amazing. Russell, Russell Clark. That was the there, Okay, there it was. Um, yeah. Such interesting movements. And so I thought, well, I'm going to get with Russell and see if we can work on just that beginning scene where uh, I'm, you know, just be coming into his body for the first time and what's that like, you know, early on. And so we, you know, worked on that and I would often rehearse that in my, in my uh, office nude, you know, because I knew I had to be nude. And I remember my wife coming in and seeing me, you know, in the corner, you know, vibrating <laughs> you know, well, an actor prepared i was gonna say to live with an actor you just gotta oh, put up with the stuff oh god oh my god <laughs> but he helped me you know study and i figured if, if i could get that thing then it would just be a matter of becoming more and more human yeah. and relaxing it's a great and performance that, and a great film that, yeah. that uh that movie has one of my favorite lines you know what i love most about you humans is when things are at their worst, you're at your at your best, and that's uh, yeah. I believe that that's again it goes with that stoicism. You know, the object, the obstacle, you know, yeah. The obstacle is the way. You know, the, when it gets tough, yeah. That's when we got to get our shit together and think of all of the the spiritual, philosophic, you know, 
everything we know. Let's get it together, you know. And, I uh, certainly hope that that philosophy permeates a little bit in these times when they're, they're, the obstacles are so. pretty daunting. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and uh, you know, we've got to look and see what our part is in that. Yeah. You know, each of us has something to give uh, towards making a difference and creating the kind of world we want to live in and see and have our kids live in. Uh, I don't know if it was kismet or fate, but on my way back to my apartment today, I walked by Radio Man, Jeff. Oh, and, you and come I, on! Oh, you're I, in New York. I'm huh? in New York. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And you thought it was Robin, or no? <laughs> I didn't quite think I, it was Robin. But Robin was on my mind, and Fisher King was oh, on my mind. Wow. And, I, and, I, and I remember. I mean, I remember that that film. I love, and your performance as Jack is 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 so great. But I but I think of Robin, and I think of I had the privilege of moderating the the Giver press conference in New York, and I remember uh-huh. it was it was the morning after Robin had passed, and you were so kind. Oh, to, what a t- to, you you were so kind to offer up some really, you know, sweet remembrances at at a time that that you know was shocking oh, for all wow. of us. And I'm just curious, when you look at Fisher King now, does it have a different resonance than? than prior to Robin's passing. Well, I, I guess in a, in a way. Yeah. Uh, God, but you mentioned Radio Man. Remember when we were making the Fisher King and Radio Man, I think it might have been, yeah, that was probably the first time I met him. And, and let me and, just contextualize yeah. for the audience that doesn't oh, know. Yeah, Radio yeah, Man's yeah, been yeah. around for 34, Plus years oh, yeah, in New yeah. York, maybe, and maybe you can maybe you can show a shot of Radio Man sure. and a shot of Robin and see them together. And know? basically, yes, Robin in in Fisher King looks like Radio oh, Man. Oh yeah, because I thought <laughs> that thought that that's who Robin based his character on. No, no, that's not true at all. And he would he, he and he would show up. He basically shows up to sets. Somehow he knows where everything is being he shot. Knows more and, about where everything is shot than the production company. You know. Yeah. And uh, what that we, the time that Robin passed away, and we were there uh, promoting uh, the Giver, and I just found out about Robin. My heart was broken. And here comes Radio Man. And I said, "It's Robin. Oh, it's a it's a joke." And it wasn't. It was Radio yeah. Man. But Radio Man loved Robin as well. So we hugged and connected. And uh, Robin, what a cat, man. The best, the best. Um, Lebowski always comes up as it justifiably should. One thing I love about your career and your life is like, you know, some actors would kind of run away from uh, how big that became for their career, but I feel like you've embraced it. You've you've, you've, like, and why not? I'm so proud. It's such a great movie. God. Do you, do you have a favorite line? Do you have a favorite scene? Everybody has like a favorite moment in that film. What's the one that jumps out at you? I mean, uh, well, that movie has, it has morphed into so many different things in my life. You know, one of my uh, spiritual teachers and a dear friend, Bernie Glassman, I'm sitting with him at a dinner party, just met him for the first time. And he, leans over and he says, you know, I'm a big fan of Lebowski. You know, I said, he says, it's full of Zen koans. I said, what are you, what are you talking about? He says, well, the dude abides. That's very Buddhistic, you know. That's... And I said, yeah. He says, what else? He says, well, you know, shut the fuck up, Donnie. There's another koan or uh, that's just like your opinion, man. And uh, he says, let's write a book about all the koans. So we ended up writing a book called The The Dude and the Zen Master. 
And my favorite, and so what, as I kind of studied the movie on that level, because Bernie, when we were doing True Grit with the Coens, Bernie visited the set and he asked him, are you guys into Buddhism or Zen? He goes, no, 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 we, we don't know any of that shit. And, uh, and I remember doing Lebowski, we never talked about anything like that at all. But uh, Bernie's um, favorite uh, koan from the Big Lebowski, and I think it's mine too, is that's just like your opinion, man. You know, <laughs> that really, uh, if we can only consider these truths that we have take so much stock in, that they're just these opinions, man. If we can yeah. just see them that way, I think, you know, we would certainly not take ourselves as seriously as we might and, and be able to be open to other guys' ideas. But, you know, God, it's, just, I mean, I love, you know, Tuturo Lake and the Ball, you know, that, I love that. I mean, that's the thing about the movie is it just boom, boom, every yeah. scene. Relentless, every scene. I, I was just watching the other day. down, you know. The, the, the scene where you are, um, where, where Ben Gazzara, Jackie Treehorn, you're sketching oh, to yeah. see what, see, okay. see what he's been drawing. It's just, it's a perfect joke. It's, it's just, just a, every, you know, I, I don't like to watch too many of my movies on TV. You know, I've watched a little bit and then switched the channel. But with Lebowski, I just get hooked, man. I get hooked. You were, you were at the, the forefront of Marvel and you, you were of course in, in Iron Man and, um, and they really traded on your gregarious persona because how could this guy be an asshole, a jerk? He's, he's sweet Jeff, Jeff Bridges. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I, I'm curious, like, it feels like everyone, no one stays dead in, in, in this universe, except for apparently you. <laughs> Has there ever been any talk? Well, well, no, of course. I mean, in the script, they, and one of the things that lured me into the project to begin with is that they open Obadiah. No, what was uh, what's yeah, he called? Obadiah Stane. Yeah, but Stane. Yeah. But what's his uh, what's his soup? You know, oh, his, I, Ironmonger. Yeah, uh, Ironmonger. Yeah. yeah, he opens Obadiah's Ironmonger suit after he's fallen into this thing, and it's empty. So he's out. But in the but they didn't in the then they in the movie they don't do it. But you know, like you say, it's a comic book. Maybe I'll come back. Who knows? I mean, it's time. It's time. Uh, um, we opened by by talking a little bit of Tron. It's close to my heart. For I mean, even if my brother hadn't written the the, the sequel, I would love Tron. Um, talk to me a little bit about just returning to that. Was that that must have been a trip? Just to like after all those years and oh, in that way. Yeah. And now we see Joe Kaczynski ruling the planet with this amazing Top Gun movie. That guy. Yeah. As the goods. Yeah, he's so great, Joe. Yeah, I think the sequel was his first movie. I it was? think. I mean, he had done yeah. commercials and stuff. Yeah. But I was always amazed. I've had wonderful experiences and luck with first time directors, you know. And uh, you mentioned Orson Welles. You don't get much better than Citizen Kane. That was his first nope. movie in I his know. 20s, man. Yeah. God. And Joe, it was just like falling off a log for Joe. He was so relaxed and, again, bringing joy and love into the situation. Everybody just, you know, could bring their best to that experience. And I love working with him. And then, and he was, uh, I think, smart and wise to bring Stephen Lisberger into the party too. So yep. Stephen was very much a part of it all. And uh, that was Stephen's, the original Tron, I think it was Stephen's first movie. 
It's a grand and tradition, that, apparently. And, yeah. Yeah. And that was just bizarre. You know, I mean, doing that thing, nothing had been done like that you know, at all. I remember as a child for what, I mean, with all the bells and whistles, the thing that I, my brother and I always would quote to each other was your wine reading of now that is a big door for whatever reason that made us happy. <laughs> there you go. I think Ryan Reynolds and his was it free guy, that movie has kind of taken that getting sucked into a computer to the next level. I thought oh. that was wonderful the influence it's so funny how the first film influenced so much but then tron legacy which bizarrely didn't get the third film despite a really strong box office but like we see the influence of that film yeah music production design so much in so many films in the decades since and joe kuzinski you know we've talked about you know what you know a third installment right Wonder it could you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. So th- there are as with any actor who is so much in demand, there's always this long list of like the ones that supposedly they almost did. W- would you indulge me? I have a, I have a list. Tell me if any of these jog your memory. If that, uh-huh. if, if there's anything semi true here, okay. Um, I'll just rattle them off. Uh, that you were up for Christopher Walken's role in Deer Hunter. That you auditioned for Apocalypse Now. Um, that you turned down Snake Plissken. In Escape from New York, how about that first round? Any of these? Uh, the what was the first one you said? It was it was a, a Chris Chris Walken's role in Deer yeah, Hunter. Yeah, that one. That was true because I had done uh, Michael Cimino's first Thunderbolt, film, of course, and Whitefoot. Yeah, Whitefoot. Yeah, and uh, and my agent screwed up that that offer and just you know. And so I left the agent and it didn't work out. But, you know, Chris Walken and Deer Hunter is pretty incredible. Pretty know? good. And, uh, uh, John Carpenter, Escape from New York? Was there any uh, ever? I don't think so. I don't okay. think so. And the other one, what was the other one? Uh, Apocalypse Now. No, I don't think so. But, you know, again, I'm an old guy. My no, no, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like... Here's one more super random one. And I've heard so many actors like on the list for this. Did you ever hear a whisper of you being up for Tim Burton's Batman? No, I don't oh. think so. Okay. Could you imagine yourself back in the day in a bat suit? Batman, <laughs> who knows? Maybe. I don't know. You never know. Yeah. You, you know, how, what's going to pull you in? I've made some weird ones. <laughs> you know, we, we mentioned uh, Fisher King. I think the weirdest movie that I've ever been in. And I think it's the weirdest movie that Terry Gilliam, which is the same quite a bit. I know bit, you're going to say Tideland, Tideland, right? Yeah, that was bizarre. I played a carcass, you know, for most oh. of the movie, but that was you can you know, fascinating experience. Say what you want about Terry. He uh, he, oh. he will go there. He will go yeah, far. <laughs> I, I, as we kind of like uh, careen towards the end here, I want to go back to the beginning because I, I think back to, you know, we talked about you and your dad. And, you know, we haven't really talked about the early part of your career, but I was fascinated to look like, I don't know whether it was luck or talent or what, but like, I look at the first few major film roles you were in, and we've been talking about these major directors. I mean, let me just rattle a few of these off. 71, Bogdanovich and Last Picture Show. 72, Fat City, John Huston. 73, Iceman Cometh, John Frankenheimer. And you mentioned Chimino the following year in Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Like when you think back to that period in your life, I mean, you were the son of like a revered actor. Did you feel like you were standing on your own two feet immediately? Or did it take you time to kind of feel like I was my, you were your own guy? I resisted uh, the whole acting thing, you know, so much. My, both of my parents 
were eager for me to become an actor. They loved acting so much. But what kid wants to do what their parents wanted to do, man? I mean, right. I, you know, I had other things I wanted to do. And I wasn't sure. I think I had maybe had done 10 films before I realized that, oh yeah, I could do this. This is, I enjoy this. And this is, could be, you know, part of my path here. Uh, God, and, you know, you were riddling off these directors and I keep thinking of other incredible directors. Bob Benton, you know, nice. his first, he was a first time guy, you know. Uh, Steve Clovis with Baker Boys. Sure. Great, great experiences. Uh, Hal Ashby, Bo did his first movie. I ended up doing his last movie. Oh, wow. My experience was kind of heartbreaking because they didn't, respect his method and they that was eight million ways to die do i have that yeah, right yeah. it was a andy garcia's uh first movie we had a wonderful time making it but then they fired hal and didn't let him edit the film you know this is the award-winning master you know do, do you, um, but do you I've, had, I've been so lucky yeah. working with these guys do you, do you find that, you know, so is the only thing that you've shot post all of this, this madness that we talked about in your life is, is, was completing the old man? Have you been on set? Say since that then? again. Is, is, Say the that old, again. is the old man the only thing you've completed or shot since your, your journey through COVID yes. and lymphoma? Yeah. So did, did you find on set, like, I don't know, were you wondering if you would have a different attitude, a different approach? Like, I mean, again, this kind of life altering event must permeate every aspect of your life. Like, yeah. were, were you the same actor? Do you feel like you're the same guy? Do you have the same hunger for it or, or what? Uh, I have, I think I have a love hate relationship with, uh, I was going to say my act, but probably life in general. I mean, you know, I'm a human being, you know, there's things I just don't like, I don't you know, but, uh, you know, getting hip to this idea, we were talking about the obstacle is the way, you know, the very thing that you're afraid of, am I going to be able to come up with the goods going back? You know, those are all, those are classes that were, you know, this is what life has to offer, you know? Yeah. And uh, one of the, the things that I discovered in the, my illness in the hospital is receive the gifts that life is giving you. You know, who wants cancer and COVID? You know, I do. Yeah, it turns out I kind of do because it's given me stuff that I would never be privy to without that experience, you know. Yeah. And all of life is like that. I, I believe that we're dealt with these, you know, fears and these challenges. And how are we going to address it? Well, this is, this is, uh, this is the, so the very, that very obstacle, you know, whatever is hindering the task, that's it. And yeah. just get in there and work with the small things. And you'll find that love is there underneath all of that stuff, man. You know, you have a problem, you go to your director and say, I'm, I'm feeling this. Oh, good. Well, this is a, oh, thanks. That helped, man. Thank you. I have a concern about this scene with the, this actor, you know, talk to you know, John Lithgow, you know, who's somebody I admire so much, or Amy Brenneman, you know, I'm feeling this, he goes, oh yeah, I know, I get so anxious too. And and it's just, you know. Those are the best ones, thing. the ones that can, that can acknowledge was, that it's, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching one of my favorite comedians, Sarah Silverman. Yeah. She's so great. And she loves, uh, you know, Mr. Rogers, you know, <laughs> she, she was talking about, you know, whatever is mentionable is manageable. You know, I love you that. Go. Well, I just want to acknowledge that beyond, be, beyond just the acting, the way you've carried your, your life and like, look, I, I know you're, you're a strong environmentalist. That's important in my family. You've worked so hard to help and hunger. And I appreciate that. Like, you know, you have, you clearly have the right perspective and I know you love all the arts, your photography. I have some of your, your photo books that you've sent press over the years. I love it all. And if you can't tell, your work has meant, meant so much to me, and I know you 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 must know uh, that by now for, that that I'm I'm like many in that respect. Um, the time today has been awesome. Congratulations on the old man, Jeff. And, oh, thank you so much. And I, and, I, and I'm thrilled that you know the timing was right. I mean, I've been, I've been you should know Jean has been very patient with me over the years. I've been begging her for time with you since I've been doing the podcast, and hey, she, uh, and uh, and I feel like this is uh, this is meant to be in the right way. So so thanks again, Jeff, great for the time. Job. It's been wonderful hanging with you, Josh, and give your brother my best, too, if you will. I will. I will. Stay well, man. Thank you. All right. You, too. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. (laughs) 